Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 28 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. I am your host, Lucas Agan, and joining me, as always, is Ryan Smith. Ryan, how was your trip? It was good. It was, you know, I got to say, it was nice to get out of the city. Uh, we went up north uh, to my girlfriend. Uh, her parents live up there. And uh, or they've got a property that they're working on. They're going to end up retiring out at. And I got to say, man, it was gorgeous. You're sitting there underneath the the Milky Way. They also put us to work. We finished off a roof uh, for a shed that they're building. Uh, So we got a little bit of everything and did some quad, uh, some quad riding, went and and had a picnic by a a little stream. Uh, So it was nice to kind of detach from technology. Obviously, there was like barely any service. They did have Internet, but I I stayed away from the phone for the most part. Uh, But it was nice to just kind of detach, uh, get away, get back to nature a little bit and and kind of uh, uh it, it was it was good it was good i needed it <laughs> how about yours my friend i missed so much news i feel <laughs> yeah, just a few things happened just a couple things <laughs> mine was good not nearly as much gaming as i wanted this had to be a productive weekend which unfortunately meant doing a lot of work i had been putting off but you know what it got done and uh hey it had to get done at some point <laughs> my man my man <laughs> and <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and introduce our very special guest this week. He is doing a lot to help people in the esports world find their way toward turning their passion into a possible career. Uh, joining us this week is Peter Lamb, better known online as Hansei GG. Peter, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thank you guys for having me. How has your week been so far? Oh, my week. My week's been pretty good, actually. Um, finally be able to, finally was able to balance out working and uh, playing video games while having family time, you know? So we've been watching Lost in Space on Netflix together. I've been watching a couple of animes myself. And then uh, besides that, just, you know, writing scripts, uh, running productions and trying to get stuff done very nice i know this is an exciting time for you and we're excited to talk to you about that but before we head into that we're going to chat about a couple different subjects and i think we probably should just start with the xbox showcase uh they finally gave us a lot of looks at a lot of different games you know just because it brings back the memories my probably favorite game from that whole showcase was halo infinite uh i do have memories playing the first Halo on the OG Xbox to Halo parties in college. So this series does hold a special place in my heart. You know, I don't know if you guys got to watch all of it and all of the looks at the different games. What were your guys' takeaways from the showcase? Yeah, right. You can go first. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're right. Yeah, and and this is where I'm I'm terrible person. I've never actually played any of the Halo games, um, which is is ridiculous because I love Destiny. And I, the only reason I got Destiny was because I knew it was from the makers of Halo, and everybody <laughs> talked about how good Halo was. Uh, however, I never owned an Xbox. Um, and I, I just, I just never played it. It looks really solid. I do have, this is the even more shameful part is I do have the master chief collection currently. And I still haven't <laughs> played it. I still haven't played it. Cause we know we've talked about it over the weeks. My backlog is absolutely ridiculous. I've been trying to, I promise I will get around to, to going through the halo series. That looked really good. Another one that had me excited too was state of the uh, state of decay three. Um, I played uh, a little bit of State of Decay 2. It was that game. It's it's again, it's kind of a post-apocalyptic uh, zombie-ish-esque game. Uh, but it's really fun. It's got the multiplayer features in it. I didn't have a chance. I got onto that game 
later after it, people had already basically played and, and were finished with it. So I never really got to play it with friends. But playing it solo, like that game is a ton of fun. Um, so that was really solid. Again, there wasn't really... There wasn't a lot. I know Fable, uh, Fable's, uh, uh, what a huge announcement uh, as far as with that. That's another one, too, that I know it has a storied uh, past. People are super, super into it, and I've never I've never played a Fable uh, game either. So I don't know if I'm the best person to talk about <laughs> <laughs> what was solid for the Xbox. I mean, again, you know, we've talked about this as, as we've been going through talking about this new console cycle coming and what really, really is going to get people are these games uh, that they're going to be, uh, um, I guess, bringing in that we're going to have. Not only uh, are the graphics going to be better, but, you know, we want to see how these games are not only going to continue the story in the next generation of consoles, uh, but it's, it's nice being able to, uh, you know, there's, there's something for everyone. We had, uh, uh, what was that Forza or F1? Uh, I Forza, think it was Forza. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Forza, you know, yeah. so th- I felt like they had a good mix of games uh, that really were going to appeal to a lot of people. Again, this was nothing about their hardware. This was all about the games and, and what's coming. So it was cool to see them unveil some of those exciting things and seeing those moments where people really got to get hyped up uh, about these games that they're excited to play. So it was. They, I thought they did a pretty good job of uh, execution. Yeah, I thought the presentation was uh, really great. You know, they started off strong with showing the Halo Infinite trailer. I was super hyped for that. Uh, been a fan of Halo ever since the very first one kind of dropped off at four and five uh just because i didn't really um have an xbox was yeah. it xbox one x yeah xbox one actually um and so i'm really excited to be jumping back into the franchise it looks amazing i noticed a lot of little details with the gameplay um that i was like oh i've never seen that before so i'm ex- i'm super excited to jump in you mentioned forza i thought forza my brother and i we were watching it it's super funny because both xbox and um playstation have a racing game to show off like the highest of fidelity of uh the graphics you know it's mm-hmm. always either gran turismo or forza that's showing off all of the realism there and uh so it wouldn't really be an xbox game showcase without forza <laughs> it looks really good though it looks really good um, another game I was really interested in um, is Tetris Effect. That was super cool to see the multiplayer expansion added to it. I still have no idea exactly how it plays, but it seems really interesting just by seeing how they were able to combine three players' uh, columns into like one big rectangle that you could all play in. So mm-hmm. that was super interesting. And um, the very last thing, yeah, it's just Fable. Uh, I've been a fan of Fable since Fable 1 and Fable 2. Didn't play the third one, but uh, it's it's been a long time coming. I know for a lot of people, it is the game that really defined the Xbox for them too, aside from Halo and maybe Gears of War 2. So starting off with Halo and ending with Fable, I think they did a really good job with that presentation. And the rest of it, uh, yeah, wide variety of games. Nothing that I'm personally too interested in, but... You know, we'll have to see. This is only the beginning. Yeah, you know, I think they definitely ticked off all the boxes you want to see ahead of the launch. There's the variety of games, you know, games that are showing off the gorgeous graphics. I I have to be honest, I do enjoy the Fable series, but my memory of that series is them over-promising <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> a bunch of those promises not make it into the game, but it's still being a fun game. But I have such a complicated relationship with that series. That's Yeah, that's... It's, it's, I, I don't remember, like, I don't know why. Was, was Fable exclusive to Xbox? For a very long time, and then Fable, the first one, came onto PC. Okay. Maybe then I need to go back and 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 run that back because I'm not even a hundred percent sure like what that game is about or what it like even what type of game it is. I've just heard of it before and I knew you know I heard positive things from people uh, about it. I didn't know that there was any kind of uh, that they had any kind of uh, hiccups or anything like that um, as far as with that game and whatnot. Was was there? Uh, did they show something about Hellblade as well? Hellblade? Um, I think they just kind of announced that it was happening. Okay. The second Hellblade game. Um, but, you know, it was kind of the 
the opening to when they, um, I think it was the first game that they showed off when they revealed the actual console itself during the video game awards. Okay, okay. I was like, because that's, an, I mean, that's another one that I've heard. I heard that's a shorter play, uh, but I heard it's a really, really crazy, crazy story and, and game. Uh, and I totally have that. Then I'll totally play it eventually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just like we will with all of our other games on Steam and Epic and yeah, whatever platforms are out there. It's getting ridiculous, man. It's getting ridiculous. There's so many different platforms, so many different games. A lot of them you'll end up, if you have like a, a, a subscription or something with them, you'll get the free games with them. I mean, I literally have an amount of games that I don't think I could finish yeah, even if I tried to, if that were my job just to play video games, well, hold on, hold on. If it was just my job to play video games, I absolutely would finish everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, honey, got to put in some OT tonight. Uh, <laughs> but you put it in the hole last week. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> the games, the games. They did. I mean, this this was, I, I felt like their showcase. I mean, they gave you a variety of, of games, things for people to get excited about. Again, I, I feel like, you know, too, that they're really and they have been pushing. It's not about the platform that you play on. We just have games for you and we're going to make good games for you guys. And wherever or however you want to play it is going to be up to you. I, I love the fact that that they've gone with that model and that they're they're pushing more towards that. I mean, again, I feel like Xbox, as far as Xbox and, and, and PlayStation, I feel like they've kind of gotten their butt kicks for the most part as far as with exclusives and games that have been on that platform. So the fact that they're they're they are actually gonna be taking time and they're gonna be putting more of a focus on the on the game uh as opposed to um the the I guess console or where you're playing the game, I think that's going to ultimately help them uh, in the long run as far as with this. Plus, I think, it, you know, again, we we know that that cloud gaming is 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 on the horizon or at least a solid, like viable way to do it. We know that multiple companies and and developers are, are working on their uh, uh, cloud software and, and just that infrastructure and stuff like that. So. I think that, you know, again, they're kind of trying to get themselves to this future look and what that future is going to be. And I think we're seeing uh, some of the uh, just some of those changes happen now so that, you know, here on the next generation or whatever, uh, they say, hey, we're not actually going to have anything. We're just going to be all cloud gaming. Here's here, here. Here. We got the games, you know. Yeah, I I half agree with you on that. Um, I I do think it's a super smart move that they are starting to move away, um, not move away, but put less emphasis on the hardware itself. While the hardware is a pretty important part of what the Xbox is, you know, there would be no Xbox without an actual Xbox. Mm -hmm. um, so I I do think because of cloud gaming and everything, it's a smart move that they're moving everything to the game, the Xbox Game Pass, where you can get unlimited games for um you know a, however many a month and you could play it on the pc too and i actually had a debate about this with some friends because they were like what's the point of the xbox now that i could just play all my games on pc but you have to remember that not everyone can afford to play these games on the um to have a pc to have a gaming pc because this isn't necessarily cloud streaming yet Right. right, you still have to download the game, and you still have to meet the hardware requirements in uh, in order to run um, the software. So, the game, the Xbox console, will always be here, I believe, as long as there are other consoles around, and there's um, a reason for plug and play. That's the one thing, right? You don't want to deal with driver issues. You don't want to deal with um, everything else that comes with a computer. Sometimes you just want to turn it on. Uh, load up a game and just start playing. And so for that reason, that's why I think consoles will always have a place in uh, in the consumer market. You know, and I, it, it, I I love that you said that too because I I feel like I I forget about that. It wasn't too long ago that I didn't have a PC. Now I act like I've always had one. It feels like I've always had one. Um, <laughs> but you're right. That really is. I mean, consoles really are kind of that that 
that consumer friendly uh, system that anybody can get from from little Billy to, you know, Grandpa Joe or Grandma Georgette, you, you know, uh, and anyone could just pick it up. Uh, it's easy enough to, to to play and whatnot. So and I know I've been pushing a lot and, and saying, you know, I, I could see it eventually going possibly uh, all cloud based. But again, I think that not everybody owns a PC and it wouldn't make sense to just exclude, uh, you know, the, all those people that, that would otherwise get a, uh, um, uh, get a console, uh, because they couldn't afford a PC or they have no, no needs other than that. Um, so I think it's that, that's something strongly that, that, that needs to be considered, uh, within that conversation because it wouldn't make sense then to completely alienate that base when you know that there's going to be customers uh, there, they would end up uh, that. Yeah, that wouldn't be good in the, in, the, in the long run. It will be interesting, though, to see how they and I think we're already kind of starting to see that too. Uh, Destiny 2, for example, where and it's not fully integrated yet. It they they are their hopes. Bungie's hopes are for 2021. But having that cloud saving where I can play on my PC, then hop over to my PlayStation, play it on my PlayStation if I wanted to. I have all the DLCs that I've already purchased, and I don't have to worry about going back on. Oh, I gotta I gotta purchase a DLC for PlayStation and have it over here, even though I have cross save. Um, you know what I mean? I think there'll be some integration within that, and I think really that's. Where where we'll see uh, kind of that benefit of, of having that infrastructure in there is that I can hop on anywhere I want to, and it's going to be the same character, the same level, all the same stuff that I purchased on on wherever I purchased it at. It at uh, but I could play it now on on any device that I own that game on. You know. Yeah, that's definitely the feature right there. Um, cloud saving and crossplay. Crossplay is becoming a huge thing. I think now it's becoming less about the hardware that you play on and more right. about the brand affiliation. You know, you could still be a huge Sony fanboy more so than, than Xbox. <laughs> and that means you're more likely to buy a PS5 over an Xbox. But it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't play games on an Xbox if you jump over or you can't play games with a friend who prefers Xbox. Right. And I think that's going to be the 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 biggest thing too is just being able to do that because it's like I don't care what you're playing on. It's like I just want to play with my friends. That's all I really care yeah. about. You know. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of the stress out, right? Because how many of us bought a console just because that's where the majority of our friends went to? So right. it would be nice to be at a place where you can actually buy the one you want and not have to worry about it and not feel like you've now. Uh, segregated yourself from the rest of your gaming friends so that that would be a nice movement to keep pushing yeah rocket league does a really great job of that speaking of rocket league uh they had some news uh as well we just found out uh that rocket league which for some reason i, I don't know why this is hard for me to to believe i guess it's because at one point in time well sorry let me come out with the news first rocket league <laughs> is gonna be going free to play sorry I'm, I'm over here trying to jump the gun uh rocket league uh announced that they're gonna be going free to play which i think number one is amazing uh as far as with their player base we know that it's a really it's it's a really fun game if you've never played it i highly recommend it i know at one point in time on the ps4 it was free and that's when i ended up picking it up i i Played it, played it, played it, um, and I haven't really played it since. Uh, but a lot of my friends now, you know, since I've moved over to PC, I know I have a lot of friends that play it on PC. And uh, I would definitely, and by I will, I mean I will, be uh, downloading it once it goes free to play. And uh, I will be playing it uh, again with friends because it is, it's just a fun little game, but it's super competitive as well. Yeah, I think it's really easy to pick up. Well, okay, it was somewhat easy to pick up, you know, once you get used to the controls and everything. But everyone is very familiar with this format of a game. It's just soccer, but you, there's cars. I think it's <laughs> super fun to play with anybody and the fact that they're making it free to play is super smart because they know everybody um, everyone could pick up this game especially when we were just talking about how big cross play is going to be in the future accessibility is everything right they, they do they currently have cross play now with I remember playing against people on the PlayStation when I was playing on PC so I know there is some function of cross play available okay that's huge, man. And and you're right too. It's like it's funny cuz we're seeing more more 
games go free to play. I feel like, again, just that impact that Fortnite has had and to show how successful you can be with a free to play model. Again, there's going to be microtransactions and stuff like that. And I don't know if they're going to uh, add anything like that or more of that stuff into Rocket League uh when they go uh free to play i'm curious though to see what their i guess what their the the long game for them is um do you think they plan on maybe building out a, a second one or perhaps expanding on on the infrastructure of rocket league and and expanding the game as a whole i could see them expanding i mean it, it would seem like the the base of this game doesn't scream like you need a proper Rocket League 2 necessarily. Mm. Uh, I think you could start to make some improvements um, as you kind of go along. You know, I would expect a lot more cosmetics to start flooding the marketplace here too. Um, I haven't spent a ton of time. It is a really addicting game though in the, in the limited time that I have spent in it. I don't know that it necessarily screams proper sequel though. Right. Well, and could they have a? I mean, there's a competitive league uh, as well for for Rocket League. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't see them necessarily. It's just what made them. I guess what 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 made them say, you know what, we're gonna make this free to play. So from for in my mind, my thinking is. My guess would be most people who would be willing to pay the twenty dollars for for it when it was there have mm-hmm. probably bought it by now. Um, my my guess is that the number of new purchases has, I mean, just because it's been out for a while now, has has gone slowed uh, enough that this will just the influx of new players would make it worth it because they're not losing that purchase price because most people that were willing to buy it probably have by now. Yeah, I think that's a. That's a that's a fair point. Yeah, I think I think this is a um I think the reason why they're doing this one is because they've already made Rocket League has been out for a while now, you know, and they've made a lot of money off of the sales. It's probably hit its peak and now it's coming back down. They need to find a way as a business to kind of re find a resurgence in in Rocket League um interest, and this is one big way just by announcing free to play. Plus, I think it makes more sense. I think you pay fifteen or twenty dollars to to buy this game, but if you get people in the door already, there are way more purchase options for a player inside the game. And most likely, if they become a fan of the game through just playing it for free, they will spend way more than twenty dollars playing this game. So, and at the end of the day, I think they're able to make more money this way by going free to play after being um, purchasable for a while. Plus, they're making they're giving incentives for people to purchase it right before it goes free to play because they said anyone who has played uh, Rocket League online and purchased it before the free to play launch will be rewarded with a legacy status, which includes a bunch of other perks. So more incentives for people to purchase before they play. And once they get into it and become a fan, um, become a fan of the game, they'll definitely be purchasing way more stuff in the, um, in the cosmetics and microtransaction shop. Yeah, no, that's, that's, and I love when I love when companies do that too, where they say, you know, hey, if you get it, if you've already had it and stuff like that, we're gonna give you something, you know, that that shows that you've been a legacy player, you've been playing it from the get go before all the all the the, the noobs hopped on and are <laughs> trying to learn it. Um, yeah, that and I, you know, you're 100 spot on uh, with that though too. It, it's it's shelf life as far as being a, a game to be sold. I think has has run dry and and they've you know they're saying all right, let's make it free to play. Let's bring in a new base. Let's bring in which is and when, when we've seen from from countless models, uh, you know, you're you you can still make a ton of money. Uh, just off of cosmetics or or other things like that. So it'll be nice to see them. And I'm sure they have been for a while, to, but for them to just put all those efforts and all that, those focus into now these, these what will be eventually purchase, purchasable items. And for me, as long as it's just cosmetic things, I'm cool with it. If it turns into, hey, you get like five starting boosters or, or something that gives you an advantage, uh, I think it could be uh, problematic. Again, I don't see them doing something like that but yeah this was a smart move all around for rocket league players i absolutely think um this is gonna boost uh uh, people that are in there 
playing it. Uh, it'll give it a little more relevance uh, as well as it goes free to play. And people will say, hey, might as well get this game. It's 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 free. Um, and then people are going to be like, oh, oh, my gosh, I never knew about this before. And then, uh, you know, that'll kind of drive them to maybe checking out some of their broadcasts, checking out the tournaments and and really building out their community. Uh, so that was, you know, that's super smart for them. I'm excited to, to play it. We got to play sometime, uh, guys, because, uh, you know, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. And before we leave off the subject, you know, a really great, uh, a really great case study to look at this that heavily mirrors what Rocket League is doing is uh, CSGO. Counter-Strike was pay $15 to play before. They went free to play. Community increase, esports interest increase, um, the amount of uh, revenue they made off of the, the crates and the keys um, skyrocketed too. So it's overall, it's uh, a pretty successful way to do things after a while of having your game be uh, pay to play. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, no, great point. Great point. Uh, just wanted to move on here to Valorant. And FaZe Clan is going to host a Valorant tournament August 6th through 9th with 16 total teams and a $50,000 prize pool. So obviously a, a pretty big event uh, for Valorant, and, you know, especially for a, a game that's, that's still trying to assert its dominance in the esports world. Um, pretty hefty prize pool. 16 teams, 12 of them will be invited. Four of them will be through qualifiers uh, that will take place on August 1st and 2nd. So it seems like a fun setup. Seems like this could be um, another important notch in, in Valorant's journey and and to becoming a, a prominent esports. And I don't know, are you guys going to be watching? Are you guys going to tune in in August when this all goes down? Peter, I'm going to let you answer first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've been really getting into Valorant esports. I for sure will be watching this. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I know the Ignition series just um, just happened for PAX. Mm -hmm. Yeah, PAX Arena just wrapped up this past weekend, so that was really cool. And I, I think overall, this is this is great, allowing people to create, allowing third parties to create and host their own tournaments. I think this is such a great model for Valorant. I'm really glad they didn't approach it like they did with League of Legends and the LCS. This model makes so much more sense with the way uh, FPS communities have been built around. And I'm glad that they're playing around with the idea and seeing what works for them. And overall, it seems like it's it's it is um, you know it's doing great. Yeah, and, and we talked about this a little bit too, just how they've utilized not only you know when it first was coming out and you, know, you had to watch tw uh, Twitch streams to be able to get a key and all the hype that came be behind it uh, before the game even officially launched. When it officially launched, you know they they had that springboard of having people play. Even more people got got on and stuff like that. And again, this is a lot of people's uh, you know there's a lot of people that enjoy uh a game like this again i i kind of uh uh it feels like a almost like a uh like a cs go to me it's a slower play uh not necessarily my play style but i know that uh there are a lot of people that enjoy this slower play and and you know you got you got one life per round uh make the most of it i think this is huge also uh just having uh phase clan you know what i mean a uh, uh, huge uh competitor in esports uh being able to host the tournament like this get people on board get that hype get that hype behind you know from their brand along with all the people that are already uh enjoying uh valorant i can't see this not being uh a successful tournament it should be exciting and fun uh are they allowed to compete in the tournament as well how does that work exactly i don't i didn't read my guess is they probably would be one of the 12 teams <laughs> that <That's> got, <laughs> gets an invite <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, think, I think it should be fine. Like if you if because then it's not like they can alter anything in game. So right. if Phase Clan like loses fair and square, then they they lose, right? So there's really not much you can do there. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it should be fine, but we could definitely look that up. Yeah, no. I think to to oh, oh yeah, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, please, please. Oh, okay. To your point, uh, you brought up something that was super interesting, and I, I believe in it a lot, is that this game, it's it's good for bringing a lot of different brands, for bringing a lot of different personalities into this game. And yeah, you're right. It is more, it is very, very similar to CSGO, different in many other ways, but it captures an audience that CSGO couldn't. 
it, it uh, definitely, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, casual gamers are bad, but it, it definitely has bought on more of a casual audience. Just like how League of Legends is still really competitive, very hard to play, is super impressive for everybody who's good at the game, but has a huge casual audience as opposed to Dota, who is super hardcore, and you have to learn all these things in order to be good at the game. I've played Dota for over 10 years, you know, 10,000 hours in the game, and I'm still learning stuff about it. And it's it's a super hard game to get into, just like CSGO. Um, plus, the vibe of each of those games are a little bit more geared towards the hardcore community, whereas if you see League of Legends and Valorant, uh, they're a lot more, I would say, like, general public friendly, uh, more casual friendly. The colors are vibrant, the skills, the gun, um, the skills are a nice addition. And I see a lot of people who normally wouldn't be playing um, CSGO play Valorant and really enjoying it. Yeah, you know, I, you're right. This is a lot more consumer friendly. Uh, and and they started out uh, right, right out the gate to, you know, they made it free to play, uh, which obviously huge audience that allows anybody to get their hands on the game and play it. So, you know, people are going to be doing it. Not only that, but then the, 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 and again, I have to give my hats off to the marketing team and just what they've worked, you know, teaming up with like Twitch and these bigger streamers and stuff like that. Only, it only built up that hype even more. It got, you know, especially this younger audience uh, that, you know, they're they're looking up to these streamers. They're looking up to these people. You know, they're instantly become fans of this game. And they they just started out with this huge uh, player base uh, that they that they got from this. And they did. You know, it's nice to see that they're continuing to expand on that. Uh, continuing to work the game. I know that there's been some uh, uh, some nice updates as well uh, as far as with the game. I'm going to have to go back and, and maybe give it another shot because I, I, I played it a little bit and, and I know that... Um, you know, I was like, I was like, all right, dude. It's like I could see, I could see where people uh, enjoy this, and I, I might have to look this up. I just talked to somebody last week, but they told me about a game. I think it's in beta right now, but I, he showed me or he sent me the video of it, and it looked similar. It was very much this type of style of game, slower pace, but it was uh, third person. Uh, and Row Company. Yes, yes, Row Company. Yeah, yeah dude. Yes, I was yes. like, all right, that game looked a lot of fun. Uh, that felt, or at least seems like it's a little more up my style in speed uh, as far as a, a a game like this. So I'm curious to see what kind of competition that game could potentially bring uh, for Valorant. Yeah, you know, obviously Valorant is going to be a juggernaut just because uh, of who's behind it. But I, I do wonder, you know, Peter, being, being a fan of this game, do you sense any missteps that you think that they need to watch out for going forward as they're looking to put their foot down um missteps in the sense of of how of how they're rolling out like you know as they're trying to build up their their esports presence uh do you know just looking at from what other games have done both good and bad do you think that that they have to be wary of anything as they're going and, and continuing to grow i I think the only thing they have to be wary about is just listening to the community when it comes to features and patches. I know one thing that a lot of the high-level players are looking for is solo queue only mode. That is probably the only thing I uh, I believe they should really listen to the community about because they've been asking for it forever. And I know that if you're like a solo player playing against a very organized five stack, the game isn't going to be fun at all. Um, and you're going to be playing it very differently as well. But then again, I'm not a game balancer. I'm not a game developer, so I don't know the reasons behind that. Um, but other, besides that point, I think they should be free to pretty much do whatever they feel like doing. Valorant is a new game, um, the very first new game for Riot. I mean, aside from TFT, I guess, but this is a whole new IP. It's a whole new title. They're taking a very different approach than League of Legends with it. And so this is a really great time for them to kind of test the waters with different models and use um, everything that they've learned in the past in order to really innovate here. And I'm excited to see what they come out with. So far, everything looks great. Do we know, is this a, a I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this is a digital-only tournament? I believe so, or yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and I don't know how that works exactly. You know, again, how 
how one then moderates uh, a team that's not physically there. You know what I mean? Because again, you're in, and I'm not saying that there's going to be anybody in there cheating or anything like that. But it'd be it's it's it'd be interesting to see again. You know, when we all went in the lockdown, we were saying this is a great opportunity for for silver linings wise uh, for people to be a little more innovative and and kind of step out of their comfort zone. And it's good to see that. You know, not only I mean, we've seen a lot of uh, people go online only and and doing things online. So, again, for them to to be able to push forward and continue uh, uh, doing events like these, uh, I think, you know, right now where there's so many eyeballs that are stuck indoors, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity. Again, I think this is only going to boost up uh, not only Valorant, but then you have that uh, FaZe Clan brand name uh, behind it as well. I I, I think this uh, tournament is going to be pretty successful. I will definitely be taking a look at it. Yeah, just the ignition series for, for Valorant, what Riot's doing here is, is super good because they're not only bringing up the community and letting it grow in a grassroots manner, which I believe all esports should be grown in that sense, um, but not only the the community, um, not only the players, but also at the production side of the yeah. communities too. Because it's third party, third party tournament organizers are able to jump in and organize the tournament that they the way they want to do it. We'll be able to see different models to see what works and whatnot. You know the innovation thing, and also different production companies. For Pax Arena, my friends at Space Productions were actually the one um, producing that whole online event. For this one, for the Face Clan uh, tournament, it's going to be Nerd Street Gamers. So we're actually providing a lot of job opportunities to different production companies online during this pandemic. Whereas if you do it in person, usually you would need a hefty budget and you would need a lot of crew and someone who's very experienced in running that whole live on-set production. Yeah, no, 100%. And it is. And I know that there's a lot of people in a lot of places uh, that are struggling as far as within the entertainment and, and production world. Uh, a lot of those, a lot of people are either considered freelance or not freelance, I'm sorry, but uh, independent contractors. Uh, so it's been tough times. So to be able to uh, continue to supply jobs for people, continue to have events uh, going on like these uh, where people are going to be watching. They do have more time on their hands. I know that uh, school is is right around the corner as well. I know a lot of places as of right now are going to be starting out the year uh, online only. So kids are going to be home, which also mean that, that an adult has to be home uh, as well. So we're going to continue having uh, more people in this digital space. So I, I think it's fantastic that they're 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 doing events like these and and taking advantage uh, right now of just the current situation that we're in. Uh, so I, I can't see this not being successful this is going to be fun to watch too and 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 you're right just being able to see you know again one one production company uh does it this way whereas this one has you know they'll do it uh, a different way which is also fun uh, if you appreciate uh seeing some of the production side of things and just how they go about presenting uh, a tournament like this so this will be a lot of fun um let's take a quick break and uh we'll be back sitting here with peter lamb we're gonna be getting Getting in there. We're going to be asking some questions. We're going to be jibber-jabbing with them. We'll be right back, guys. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than bet online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports... BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to that short message. And I'm really excited to get into this topic with you, Peter. There are a lot of us that have a passion for esports and video games. You know, anybody that I'm assuming is listening to this, uh, clearly all three of us do too. I think that there's a lot of difficulty in turning that passion 
into a personal brand or into a, a potential career path in a lot of different areas surrounding video games. And I know that this is something that you're passionate about helping people in. Can you kind of talk about what you are doing to help people kind of navigate that that path forward? Yeah. So I am creating an education platform. Uh, mostly right now, a lot of a lot of it is just content. So content on YouTube and I'll be doing live webinars on Twitch to help people kind of understand everything that I've been learning. I have put myself in this position of being a lifelong student and and I'm super passionate about helping other people out. And so as I'm learning all of this, I can't just keep it all to myself. I have to share it. And I have to share it in a way that impacts other people positively and um, you know helps them eventually figure out what they want to do for a career. The The main reason for this is because I spoke to a lot of uh, students, you know, from high school, middle school, and especially college where um, that's where I kind of got my esports start in the collegiate scene. And a lot of people, you hear this often, I want to work in esports, but I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what is available in esports. And so that's exactly what I want to help people with. Whether you're a content creator or or just just say creator in general, you know, this could go into graphic designers and photographers. Uh, you really have to build up your personal brand in order for you to um, get your channel growing, get freelance gigs, or if you want to work a job in esports doing something, you have to know what opportunities are out there. And you also know have to know how to hone your skills and position yourself well enough to get these positions um, that you've always wanted to work for. Is there a, a common issue that people face that you think has a simpler solution? Because I think sometimes in people's minds, we build up a problem in our heads that just seems so intimidating because we don't even know where to start. So what would your advice be to taking those first steps toward discovering, you know, even what area of esports somebody might be interested in? Yeah, I would say this is the time where technology enables us to take more initiatives than there were in the past, right? So if you were in college, and let's just say we were in normal times for the sake of, of this particular example, when you're in college, you usually would have um, nowadays a collegiate organization, a uh, collegiate esports organization, if not a just general gaming club. You could join it and be a part of it to try to make stuff happen. And that's where I learned a lot of my stuff. I learned how to market a little bit from there. I learned how to run tournaments. So that's tournament organizing. That's uh, also including League Ops, which is coming up with the rules and the format uh, for everything, logistics, event production, live streaming. I learned so much just from all of my time of doing stuff in college. And I think it's a really great place to start off because uh, you're, you're kind of allowed to fail, right? It, you're, you're just a club. There's no really a huge budget there. And there's just, you have a big, um, you know, a nice sample size of the student body that you could kind of work with. And you're not really presenting it to the world. So it's a great start. Otherwise, if you're not in college and you're out already, then you could still do stuff by volunteering at a bunch of different things like DreamHack, um, your local gaming centers. Um, like for, for in Vegas, you know, we have Press Start Gaming and GameWorks. Uh, we're allowed to run tournaments there, right? And so just be like, hey, guys, I want to run a tournament here. I'll bring my own equipment. And, you know, you just learn to do it and just learn from your mistakes. Yeah, I feel like a lot of content creators kind of have that uh, they have that mindset of, oh, I have to be a huge content creator to be able to do things like that. And that's just not the case. Uh, you know, I, I feel like there are a lot of opportunities, like you're saying, go speak to your uh, uh, you know local gaming center and try to put on a tournament. Uh, what kind of what kind of advice, I guess, would you give to somebody, you know, that that does i guess they're in content creation and then building building their brand because you know having that brand is so important but not just having that brand but being a a genuine person and you know being able to reach out and, and connect with people and things like that what kind of advice would you give for that yeah so first of all i want to be very clear about what a brand is because i feel like there are a lot of misconceptions about what it is um it is not a logo. It is not the colors that you put on for your banners or whatever. It, it's nothing. It's very little about the visuals and more about how other people perceive you. From one of my favorite um, definitions by this by by the branding master himself, Marty Newmeyer, a brand is a person's gut feeling about a product, 
organization or a service. And uh, I'm going to throw people in there too, because, you know, we're dealing with personal brands. So it's really about how they see you, not about how you see yourself. And through that, you really have to figure out a way to build something around yourself to help people perceive you the way they want, um, the way you want to, right? And in order to start doing that, you really have to think about first, who do you want to serve? It's always about right. the other person, not not about yourself, right? So a lot of like say streamers, which is you know the the, the most generic example I could think about, they're like, yeah, I just want to play this game, but I'm like, okay, but why would they want to watch you over everyone else? What value are you providing to them? What a lot of people um, tend to forget is that time is the most valuable human asset. You can't get it back at all. And so if people are going to spend their valuable time watching you, they have to get something back from it. And that goes into a you know an even deeper conversation about how can you align your values, what you like, your passions with the needs of someone that you're trying to target. You know, it's interesting because I think branding is something that both comes natural to a degree, but it's also something that a lot of people don't think about critically. So when if a content creator is, is just starting out right now, what are some key questions and some key things they need to figure out to kind of form that brand so that it's an intentional act instead of something that they're just kind of trying to figure out as they fly by their seat? Uh, the very first thing I would think about is what do I want other people to think about when they think about me? Right. So if they think about uh, Peter Lamb, they're kind of I, I hope that people are kind of think about education, think about branding, um, esports, video games, um, kind. You know, there, there are different attributes that make up of what my brand is. And that's kind of the first thing it's like, what do you want people to feel when they think about you? What words do you want to be associated with you? Then it's like, OK, cool. What do you want to do after, right? What what do you want to do in terms of like the content you want to produce? You want to produce educational content. You want to produce fun content. Um, you you know, there's a lot of different ways you could go about it. And then how can you figure out a way to structure everything that you're doing to match an audience that vibes really well with you? It's all about alignment, and you have to think about your audience as well. Right. Not only demographics, a lot of people tend to go towards demographics uh, like age and where they live. Um, probably where they live is not even necessary much anymore. You know, just right. U.S. in general is fine uh, because we're in an online world. Um, but then you have to think about the psychographics. Right. What are their hobbies? What are their values? What are their beliefs? That's way more strong of a thing to align yourself with than just demographics because not because you could be a bunch of different ages. Like I'm friends with some people who are 40 something year olds and we and even though we're very like we're 20 something years apart, we align our values, our, our values align um, very, very well with each other because we believe in the same things. We want the same things for esports. We love the same games. And that's why we get along. And you have to really think about that too when it comes to your audience. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I, I absolutely will. But I saw on uh, LinkedIn, you have a uh, uh, tip for building relationships online and meeting new people. Um, I, I, I can't stress enough how important and how much those two go together, because it really is about building meaningful relationships online with people. Again, I'm I'm uh, a little older, uh, so it was still for me, uh, you know, I've been streaming for about uh, three years now, and it took a while for me to get out of that mindset of it's weird to meet people online. Like what? Like that's not is that that's that's a normal thing is I like, guess. Yes, that pe people people date people have gotten married, uh, all this stuff, you know, so it took me a little bit to get up there uh, to that point. But talk a little bit about the importance of building those relationships and, and being able to connect with people online. Oh, yeah. Relationships are everything, everything. Um, and and to, to build those relationships, you really have to have empathy. That's the yep. that's the number one thing. You, you have to care genuinely about the other person. And that's what I write a lot about. I, I may sound like a broken record at times, but that's because that's just kind of how you do it. You really, when you talk to another person, it's about the other person. You want to get to know them. You, you talk to them. You figure out what, you know, like how their day is going. What do they like to do? You, you don't talk about yourself because um, 
one of my favorite quotes, uh, and I think it's from Seth Godin. Uh, he's a he's a really good marketer. Um, is first seek to understand, then be understood. And I'm probably paraphrasing the the quote, but that's the main that's the main point. As as people are starting their journeys, I I think you know obviously content creators have risen in prominence a lot um, in the past five, six, seven years. And especially when we're living in, in a pandemic world where we're all stuck inside, you know, people are, are looking to be able to get their voice out. When people are starting their content creating journey, what sorts of things should they think about that most don't that you're seeing? Uh, let me see. Well, the first thing I'm going to say always, it's just it, people don't think about their audience enough. Right. But, you know, we've said that a lot. I think the second thing that people don't think about when it terms to, when it comes to content creation, something that I haven't mentioned yet is learning business. And I don't mean, and I, I went to a business school. I, I was a business major and there are a lot of things you learn there that um, may not be super applicable. They're more conceptual. So it's like, you don't need to learn how to write a business plan. You don't need to know how to do project management in such a detail where you have to like do Gantt charts and whatnot. Um, but you need to know the basics of business. Like what are the business needs? How does a business run? Um, you know, a little bit of financing. And that's that's the thing. Because content creators, they just kind of see themselves as artists, right? And that's kind of where the joke about artists uh, come from is that they're going to create all this amazing art and it looks great and I respect them for it. But then it's like, who is it really for and what problem is it trying to solve? It, it's not. That's why it's art. It's meant to just be appreciated it's a it's a form of self-expression whereas when you design um, designers design stuff for someone they're trying to fix a problem and it's the same thing when you're trying to create content right you have to design that content around someone and you have to figure out how to market it you have to figure out how to make it monetizable when you talk to sponsorships uh, when you talk to sponsors you have to understand what a sponsorship deck is what are the needs of the people of the business of um, that you're trying to talk to you know while some people are maybe looking for more um an increase in in sales others might be looking more for brand awareness or they might want to collaborate for a completely different reason so understanding business um, and all the facets around it is really important and i think something that content creators should definitely look more into that's great yeah that that's that's really interesting and <laughs> You know, I think that that you're right. A, a lot of content creators they start and they're they're just thinking of what they want to do, what they want to put out. And business, I think, for a lot of people, doesn't come into their minds at all until they're kind of knee deep in something and they realize that they have to now on the back end. So, how how difficult is it for you to work with people to kind of train their brains to think business with the content they're putting out rather than just content? And I'll figure out everything else as I need to. Mm -hmm. This comes, uh, I guess the concept of scaffolding information comes into play here, right? If I throw, and, and I'm trying to really pace myself here because I could just throw a bunch of information and it, it would be very lengthy. It'd be very tiring to listen to. Um, but it could also be very fun if you know how to structure it correctly. And that's where... When I work with any individual, I have to see exactly where the pain points are first. What are the biggest challenges for them? Because not every person is in the same part of the journey or have the same issues um, you know, that they're trying to deal with. So that's the first thing. It's just figuring out exactly, one, what their goal is, and two, what are the challenges to getting to that goal. And once we figure that out, we could uh, we could come up with a plan, a strategy of sorts, in order for us to create a roadmap for them to um, get as close to the goal as possible. What I tell people about goals is that it's not really about reaching it, but it's more about the growth and the journey to get there. Because without a goal, you won't have direction. And as long as you have that direction and you move forward towards it, even though you don't hit it, right? Say you're trying to get uh, 100 subscribers by by two months, but then you end up getting 75 by the two months, that's still way a lot, that's still way more than you would have gotten if you didn't have the goal in the first place. Yeah, that's, so So, how would somebody go about then soliciting somebody uh, like you for your services? Uh, is it just 
reaching out or or what's the best way for it? Because I know that, you know, obviously there's people scattered throughout the uh, uh, the world that, that do things like this. Mm-hmm. When it comes to smaller content creators or not even content creators, because we've been speaking about them a lot, but uh, let's say people who want to get to work in esports. Um, yeah, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Feel free to hit me up on um, whatever information I put myself out there. Just DM me. I'm, I'm willing to help. I'm willing to get into a call. We might make some content out of it, you know. Um, but then if it comes to larger companies and larger personalities that I do know are able to afford it, then that's when I would go ahead and start charging consulting fees. You know, just out of curiosity, for you personally, what's What's the goal? Where where do you see this whole venture in, say, five years from now? Five years from now? I'm trying to change how education works. That's, that's a big goal for me. Uh, one is trying to change how people perceive... Okay, hmm, there's, there's a lot of different things. So <laughs> the first thing I want to speak about is how people end up finding jobs. You can definitely go the route of that we've... The traditional route having a, you know, having a resume, um, you know, cover letter applying to different companies and, and doing all of that, which is fine if, if that's what you prefer, all the power to you. But I want people to start thinking about really building their own personal brands and positioning themselves as an expert in that particular field that they're interested in. So for example, if someone wants to um, get a job doing social media management, right, for an esports team that they really look up to, then, and you just went to school for marketing, you really don't have a lot of experience doing social media management, right? And, you know, that paradox of you got to have three years of experience for an entry-level job, <laughs> yeah. like, you're not, that, like, where does that come from? Uh, where does that experience come from? And so this is why I'm really passionate about helping people understand that they have to start teaching and now let's not use teaching. Let's just use sharing, sharing the stuff that they discover, right? Learn, then share, learn, then share, learn, then share, and use any medium, any platform that feels comfortable to you. Some people like us, we're, we're, we're comfortable in front of the camera and microphone, but other people aren't. Maybe they could start writing blogs about it. Maybe they could start tweeting about it. You know, if they don't want to show their faces, then just podcast is fine. There's a lot of different ways to share your information out there. And once you keep on sharing it, you become a thought leader, you help other people out. And once um, and, and once employers recognize that one, you're helping other people out and you know exactly what you're talking about, that's all the experience they need right there. And people could vouch for you. Then you get, you know, then it's a lot easier for you to get that job, but you have to figure out where you're niching down. That's the mindset shift that I want to happen. And this is all through education. Um, during my time in school, I, I had a lot of fun, but it wasn't necessarily the best time for me when it came to actually being in class because I was uh, it just the, the teaching style didn't didn't work for me you know i i was more of a hands-on person i wanted to learn from experiences and i wanted and so that's why it's really important to me that we change the way education is not necessarily you know what everything that's going on right now we can see that we're shifting to more of an online type of world mm-hmm. and that and that you know teachers and professors are having a hard time adapting what they're trying to teach to the students and how to really engage them. And that's one of the missions that I'm on is to bring education about esports, branding, and business to the masses and making it fun for them to interact and learn and really want to engage in this every single day. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100%. That is a, a spot on. Peter, again, where can we find you? Where I know you said that uh, you have a YouTube as well. Uh, you're you're providing uh, educational content over there. You've got your Twitters. Uh, let us know. Yeah. Okay. So on Twitter, um, you can find either Hansei GG on Twitter or Xenos King. Those are my two. You know, the personal one and the the the, the education brand. On YouTube, it's the same thing. Uh, Xenos King is going to be used for more personal. If you guys want to follow the journey of how I'm trying to build this company, that's a good resource for that. But if you just want to get into the meat and potatoes of everything that I'm trying to teach, then Hansei GG on YouTube is definitely the best place. Same thing on Twitch, Hansei uh, GG. That's where I'll be doing live webinars. And that's a platform where I could interact more with you guys. You guys could ask questions. I could answer directly. It'll be way more of a casual talk than a presentation uh, like I do on YouTube. So those are kind of all the places where you could find me right now. 
Awesome. Thank you so much again uh, for for coming on the show, being a part of the show. We definitely appreciate it. I know that we've got to wrap it up here over at Land Parties. Uh, Lucas, what do you have uh, planned for the rest of the week? What's your uh, what's on your gaming docket? I'll tell you what, I'm kind of intrigued by Paper Mario, so I might actually pick that game up and kind of dive into that. What about yourself? Uh, I am still grinding out. Uh, I've got I got the DLC for Kakarot, and then uh, I think I'm going to be starting Spider-Man soon. And I'm working my way through uh, Detroit Become Human. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying my best to kill that backlog. Is Halo uh, on your horizon now? Horizon, uh, Halo is not in the... Because I still have Red Dead Redemption 2 left. And that game is so long. But I want to finish that and Metal Gear Solid 5. And then, and then, I don't know. We'll see if I can work it in. We'll see if I can work it in. <laughs> Anyways, guys, thank you again for joining us here over at Land Parties. We appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Tell your friends. Hit us up on the Twitters. All that good stuff. You know we're at, at Land Parties Pod. Thank you so much again, uh, guys, for, for joining us. We hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And you already know what it is. We love you faces.